If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know we've covered a lot of pretty horrifying stories. Mass shootings, animal attacks, plane crashes. We've heard the first-hand stories of the people who've actually experienced those things. And when we talk about those stories, we do talk about the tragedy of what happened. But I also like to include the positive side. How the guests recovered from it, what they learned, how they're helping others who might have gone through a similar situation. No matter how bad something was, there's almost always a positive aspect in the story, and I try to make sure we find that. Well, today's episode is different. No one dies, no one has their arm torn off, nothing like that. Every so often, I like to have a guest on who has a really unusual occupation. You might remember when I talked to Spence about his job as a lighthouse keeper. I also talked to Dan, who consults with white-collar criminals and prepares them as they're about to go to prison for the first time. I love hearing about unusual jobs like this, and I know you do too, because I always get really positive feedback about those episodes. Today's guest is Jen. She has an unusual job and it's in the wedding industry. She goes to the wedding rehearsals, the wedding itself, the reception afterward. She's involved in all of that. But the thing is, most of the people at the wedding don't even know she's being paid to be there. In a lot of cases, only the bride knows because the bride is who hired her. Jen makes her living as a professional bridesmaid. Real people in unreal situations. There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom. My friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire. If you say my name or try to look at me, I'm going to kill you. And he was just sobbing. He said, Mom, Mom, tell me you're going to be okay. And I jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson, and this is What Was That Like? Hey, it's Scott, and guess what? You're about to hear an ad, and that's both good and bad. It's good because ads are what make it possible for me to keep bringing you these episodes, and it's bad because, well, maybe you don't like listening to ads, and I get that. And the good news is, you don't have to. When you sign up to support the show, you get every single episode without any ads. Plus, you get all the bonus episodes. Yeah, did you know there are actually bonus episodes? And you can try it all for free just to see what it's like. If you're on an iPhone, just go to the What Was That Like podcast and at the top, click on Try Free and you're in. On Android, just go to whatwasthatlike.com plus and try it out completely free. Once you've had the ad-free experience, you'll see why hundreds of other listeners are already doing it. But for now, here's another ad, and then on with today's episode. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international best-selling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. 
Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. I'll confess, sometimes I let my podcast playlist get out of hand and I get way behind. But there's one show that I subscribe to and any new episode goes right to the top of the queue. That's the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's because I never have to figure out, okay, is this one going to be interesting or do I wait for the next one like I do for some shows? Because Jordan's conversations are always a must-listen for me. He talks to fascinating people from any category you can think of. Authors, scientists, athletes, you name it. He's talked to undercover cops who posed as mafia and the actual career mafia hitmen. And the stories he gets out of these people, just incredible. In one episode, he talked to Paul Holes. You might know that name if you're into true crime. He's the former investigator who uses really advanced methods to solve cold cases, including the Golden State Killer. And another one I really enjoyed was with Sam Harris, an author and neuroscientist who promotes skepticism, and he doesn't mind taking on some seriously controversial topics like politics or religion. That one's going to make you think. Whenever a new episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show pops up, I already know it's going to be an episode that I'll enjoy listening to, and I'll bet you will too. For some episode recommendations, check out jordanharbinger.com start. Or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It seems like what you're doing is a lot like improv acting. Have you ever taken an improv class? I have. And what's funny about it is I was so bad in that class. I wanted to drop out. It was, it was really hard for me, but it is a lot like improv. It is. You're just kind of jumping into a situation. They say, okay, here's your role and you got to be that person sort of. Yeah. How did the idea for this first come into your head? You know, it was a complete accident. Like many people, I was going to a ton of weddings in my early 20s. A lot of my friends got engaged back to back and I became always a bridesmaid. And what was weird was after a couple of years of going to six weddings a year as a bridesmaid for my friends, distant friends asked me to be a bridesmaid. And after a while, I had one night where two distant friends asked me to be a bridesmaid in the same night. I was venting to my roommate because being a bridesmaid is expensive. You can spend a couple thousand dollars on the roll. And I was a 20-something living in New York, making no money. I was venting to my roommate and she was like, Jen, come on, you're a professional at this. People are asking you because they know you're good, not because like they like you, you know? And I had this light bulb moment where I thought if I could do this for people I'm hardly friends with, perhaps I could do this for strangers. And that's what gave me the idea. And so how long have you been doing this? I started the business in 2014, so it's been almost seven years, a little over seven years. So in that time, how many weddings have you participated in? 
I've worked with hundreds of clients and I've probably gone to over 150 physical weddings through the job. Wow. All right. So there's a little bit of terminology I just want to be clear on because I've heard the term bridesmaid and I've heard the term maid of honor. And isn't like the maid of honor, like the head bridesmaid or how, how do you differentiate those things? You're so right. It's like the maid of honor is like the team captain and the bridesmaids are sort of like the other players on the team. And sometimes I am the maid of honor. Sometimes I'm the only bridesmaid and sometimes I'm one of 10 other bridesmaids that they have. So I play all of these different roles. What's the situation for when someone needs to hire you for this? Is just the bride doesn't have any friends or, or how does that come up? It's a great question. And I didn't know when I first started the business, I didn't know who would hire me. And what I've learned is that there's really two camps of people. Camp number one are the people without any friends, which I know sounds weird, but I can identify with that. You know, as we're in different phases of our lives, we lose friends, our friendships change. So there's people who hire me who just don't have close friends. And the other camp of people are people who hire me who have friends but they don't want to let all of this dirty work fall on their friends or their friends are a bit of a problem and they need a professional in the room. So it's one of those two things. But even though most people fall into those two camps, everybody who hires me has a story and every story is different. Well, this is a podcast where we love stories. I'm sure we'll hear a few of those. Let's say just for, for people that are wondering exactly what it is you do, can you just give a quick summary of your service? What is it you provide? Absolutely. I come in as the hired bridesmaid. I pretend to be your friend from some point in your life. I wear the bridesmaid dress, walk down the aisle, give the speech, help you figure out all of the plans before you get married. And I just make sure that everything goes smoothly at your wedding for you. I'm not a wedding planner, so I don't actually physically plan the wedding, but I'll be there for the bachelorette party. I'll help you go dress shopping. I'll help you with all of those fun details. And I'll make sure that you feel good and supported on your actual wedding day. And that's what every bride wants. But you know what's crazy is like they don't even know that they want it. But once you start planning a wedding, the pressure, the anxiety, the nerves, the stress you feel makes you feel really alone. Even if you're a person with a ton of friends, the way that this industry is built makes you feel a certain way, like you have nobody to turn to. And that can feel so isolating and scary. And that's another reason why people reach out is they're like, I just don't have anyone in my life that I feel like I could rely on for this. And I also need unbiased, honest advice, which nobody in the wedding industry really gives you. And your family is also not going to give you unbiased, honest advice either. No, they all have their own agenda. They want you to plan the wedding of their dreams. And of course, they want you to get married. So sometimes when you're engaged to the wrong person, you don't really have anyone to talk to about that. And a lot of people come to me to help them end their engagements, which I know doesn't sound something so positive, but hey, it's the truth. There's so many aspects of this job that seem like it would be so difficult. What was the first time you got hired? Can you take us through that? first one. After I had the idea to start the business, I posted a Craigslist ad, which I didn't know what was going to come from it, but I got hundreds of emails and that's sort of how I built the business. And one of those emails came from a woman named Ashley from Maple Grove, Minnesota, a place I had never been before. And she wrote to me saying that a couple of weeks ago, she had to fire her maid of honor because the maid of honor was just causing her so much stress and sabotaging the wedding. And this was a woman who didn't have a lot of close friends. Her mother had passed away a couple of years ago. Her wedding was in a month. She saw the Craigslist ad and she reached out and was like, Hey, I think I need you. And she hired me. I got on an airplane the day before her wedding. I flew there. I remember the airplane lands and I thought to myself, what are you doing? You're about to go to the stranger's wedding. Like, are you qualified for this? I was panicking. I was the last person off of the flight. And I go to her house, knock on the door. I, I'm staying with her too. And 
I just felt like in that moment, I walked in the room, everything felt right. I felt like I had known her my whole life, which is often how I do feel when I meet a stranger. And I was there to support her and help her through a lot of difficult situations with family and friends. And, you know, the next day at her wedding, it just like, in the moment, I just thought to myself, this feels so weird, but it feels so right. And even though many people won't understand this, this is a job that I think I'm going to have forever. And I got on the airplane, I went back to New York and I thought, okay, you know, we're going to make this a real business. And it felt really right. Do you remember what you charged for that first one? You know, I don't remember, but I do remember a big business mistake I made is after I had this idea, I thought to myself, I'm not going to charge people. I'm going to do it for free because I just loved the idea of doing this. And I went on national TV and I said this. And I remember thinking after that, there's no way I can do this for free. I'm already working full time. So I don't remember what I charged her, but you know, every single year I've learned how to change my prices and grow my business. I was a poetry major in college. I was a writer before I had this job. I had no business experience. I've literally had to teach myself through mistakes. So you're kind of a free thinker. Yeah, I'm a big idea person. Like I have big ideas, but when it comes to like, you know, business plans and things like that, I'm like, come on, let's just throw it out there and see what happens kind of thing. So I have spent my whole life learning through mistakes, which sometimes gets me in trouble, but sometimes it's just the only way that a person like me can learn. It's not like there's a a book like how to be a bridesmaid for hire. Well, I guess there is now, <laughs> but uh, but you didn't. You had no nothing to to reference. No, and I felt a bit like a fraud at that first wedding because I was thinking to myself, "Wait, why am I qualified to be here? This woman took a chance on me. Am I going to be able to know what to do? I've worked. I've done weddings for my friends, but like I haven't worked a wedding as a bridesmaid, and I felt like a fraud. And then I thought to myself, you know, what do I have to lose? Let me just show up for this person, support her like I would a real friend, and go from there. And ironically enough, we have remained friends over the past seven years. We've seen each other a couple times. That doesn't always happen. But in this situation, I felt such a strange loyalty toward her and a connection toward her. Yeah, she got you started. Yeah. So you said that was from an ad on Craigslist. Was she the only one that responded to it? Or how did you choose if there was more than one? I had about a couple hundred responses. Some of them were, you know, not real or they were like, we don't want to bridesmaid, but we want to marry you kind of thing. It was like bizarre. Mm, But then I'd say about like 50 of them were legitimate. And that's how I went through. I went through all 50 and that's how I decided what my packages were going to be based on what those people's needs were. And I realized like, okay, I can't take on all of these people, but I reached out to like about five or 10 of them. And that's how I booked my first couple of weddings during the first six months. A lot of how I built this business was on free advertising, free publicity, and just free marketing. And that Craigslist that got me my first couple of weddings. A lot of press got me the rest of them and social media got me even more. But I've never paid a dollar on advertising or anything like that. It is one of those stories that the press obviously wants to pick up on and because it's so unusual and... That's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. And I'm, I know I'm, my listeners are going to love hearing about this. And I'm grateful for that because... It is such a crazy idea and I feel like I have to defend it because some people look at this idea and they're like, that's so weird. It's so, it's so strange. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But the more you get to know it, the more you're like, it's not even that weird. It's just, it's something that if if nobody's ever heard of it happening before, they're going to think that, yeah, that is weird. But do the other bridesmaids know that you're, that you're a fake? They don't. Usually when the person hires me, nobody knows I'm hired except for them. Oftentimes they don't even tell the person they are marrying. 
So it's really a complete secret. I just enter their life as if I've always been there. So I've always, I enter their life as if I'm the friend from fourth grade or the friend from yoga class or the friend they met studying abroad. And I just enter that other life as that person. And nobody knows that I'm not that person. And so do you and the bride get together and make up the full backstory? I mean, how do you normally, how do you come up with that? It's weird because like a lot of people think, oh, you just show up at the wedding and you do this thing. But a lot of times we spend so much time together before the wedding on the phone over Zoom or in person if we live in the same city. I genuinely get to know them because I have to get to know them. So I know their fun facts. I know their favorite colors. I know where they, you know, ate lunch in high school. I know all of these things. And we do build that backstory and we do really get to know each other. And inside of that is a bit of a genuine friendship. You must have some kind of questionnaire about all those little trivia facts that you need to know. I do definitely keep like a running list. And then what gets challenging is when you have multiple weddings on the same weekend, being able to differentiate, you know, who you are and who that person is. Have you ever gotten caught when the stories don't match? Or what happened then? (laughs) There was one time, this was the only time I got sort of caught is the bride wanted me to be a friend from high school because nobody else at the wedding was from high school. And that worked perfectly. I memorized street signs. I memorized everything. But right before the wedding, her mom was like, that's so interesting. I've never heard of I've never heard of this person. So she opened the yearbook and realized I wasn't inside the yearbook. And she questioned her daughter. Her daughter confessed. But the worst part was the daughter didn't tell me that the mom knew. So the whole wedding, the mom is just being weird to me and like very odd. And at the end of the wedding, the bride's like, Oh, I forgot to tell you, like my mom knows that, you know, I hired you. So that was like the only time. Um, But there's been times where I meet people at weddings and they want to stay in touch. So they ask for my social media and I almost, you know, give it to them. And then I had to pull back and be like, Oh, I deleted social media. I, I don't have it kind of thing. Couldn't they, there's gotta be some way they could find you if they were really suspicious. But on the other hand, people wouldn't think to be suspicious that this is even happening, right? Exactly. I mean, most people, when they go to a wedding, they don't realize there's a hired bridesmaid in the room. There could be, you wouldn't know. And, you know, everyone has that like aloof friend that's sort of never around. And that's where the persona I take on is like, oh yeah, I just like live my own life. I'm sorry. I haven't been here for anything, you know? So no one's questioning it. Most people at weddings are really honestly thinking about themselves. What does this cost? You know, it depends on the service you want and it depends on how many different things you want me to be at. So if you want like just the wedding versus the wedding, the bachelor party, the bridal shower, all of these different things, you know, an average package will start around 2,500 and then just go up from there based on all of these different factors. That seems like a lot of money, but I mean, you've got so many expenses involved that they have to cover for you. Plus just the fee for you doing it. And the nice thing is, I think you've got a big advantage because when people are thinking about planning a wedding. They're just thinking, okay, I know I'm going to spend a ton of money, whatever it is, it is. And I mean, do they ever try to negotiate your price down at all? Of course, because I think like a lot of times it's like when you're hiring a wedding planner or a florist, you can like look up how much they cost. So when you're hiring me, you don't budget for it. You don't think about it. Sometimes people hire me like in a desperate situation. So they're just like, I don't even know if I could afford this. So yeah, you know, there are times when people are like, well, you know, can we get a lower price or whatever it is? And I sort of have to explain the breakdown of my pricing and all of that. And over the years, I've been pretty firm about my pricing just because I know the level of work that goes into each wedding. And I also know, you know, how much I dedicate to each person. So that's something that's a huge business lesson I've had to learn over the years. You mentioned wedding planners earlier. Can you just describe how does your role compare with the wedding planner and how does how's it different? 
they are completely different. There's really no overlap because the wedding planner plans the wedding. What they do is they'll help you figure out your color scheme, your florist. They'll bring the whole wedding together so that it looks incredible for you. And they'll also manage your vendors so that you don't have to worry about if the DJ is late or if you know the cake person doesn't show up. I don't do any of that. I like to say I'm the people person. So I'm there for you. I'm there for your bridal party. I'm there for your friends and family, making sure that they have what they need. I like to say that I am the personal assistant. I'm the one running to CVS because you don't have Band-Aids. I'm the on-call therapist. I'm the one that you text at 4 a.m. because you're having a panic attack over something about your wedding. I'm the social director. I'm going to make sure that people have fun at these events and they're not sitting at the table sleeping. And I'm just the peacekeeper. You know, I'm the one that's going to make sure no fights break out at the wedding or like you and the mother of the groom aren't fighting last minute because that happens often. So I do all of that. And if if I'm not in the room to do that, you're relying on your friends, you're relying on, you know, your wedding planner, but they they can't do that. They don't have the capacity to do that. Yeah, it sounds they're the wedding planner. It sounds like you're more like the wedding maintainer. Keep everything yeah. going smoothly. <laughs> I think that's a great way of putting it, honestly, yeah. Something I've been recently making a deliberate effort with is to read more. There are lots of books I want to read, and I try to read every day, even if it's just a few pages. That little bit each day adds up, and it can make a big difference. It's like taking care of your gut. Even though it's not big, it supports the health of your whole body. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits not just your gut and your heart, which aren't outwardly visible, but your skin too, which you can see. Every morning it's the same thing. Two capsules of Seed DSO-1 And sometimes I wonder, is it normal to feel this great? It helps support digestive health with optimal gut bacteria levels. And thankfully, that's all backed up by science. And all the supporting data is on their website. If you're trying to avoid sugar, soy, peanuts, or gluten, you're good to go. And I was reading the literature and I thought, you had me at vegan, because it's that too. And if you have kids, DSO-1 is the first multi-strain symbiotic shown to be tolerable and health-promoting in a cohort of children aged 3 to 17. And you can use this promo code to give it a try. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com what and use code 25what to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com what Code 25 what? I don't know how many other people do this, but I like to plan my weekly meals. Maybe I'm just weird, but I like quick and easy. That's just one of the benefits you can get with Cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout to get 50% off your first week. One of the dishes I recently had was the Green Goddess Falafel Bowl. Oh, I loved it. The falafel was seasoned perfectly, and I love how crispy it is on the outside, but really moist on the inside. It's a signature dish of Enat Admoni. She's known around the world as a chef. You've probably seen her on TV, and her dishes are made right here in Florida, so I'm supporting local business, and I love that. And the convenience of Cook Unity is crazy. I mean, I've got podcast episodes to produce. I don't have time for cooking. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when it's time to eat, I pick a meal based on my mood for that day. I heat it for a few minutes and enjoy. The menus are updated every week, so there's always something new to try. You can choose from over 350 meals based on your dietary needs or taste preferences, or go wild and have Cook Unity pick for you because every meal is just amazing. 
Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef-level quality, and endless variety of CookUnity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. Hey, this is Scott. Did you know we offer a premium feed of this show that is completely ad-free and there are bonus episodes? Go to whatwasthatlike.com slash plus or just click the link in the show notes of any episode to learn more and to sign up. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can sign up right there in the app by clicking Try Free at the top of the episode list. And I hope to see you in the premium feed soon. Have you had a situation where the bride or even the groom decided they don't want to get married? Yeah, I think it happens way more than we think. You know, before I worked this job, I was like, that's only in movies. But yes, I've had people have cold feet many times, whether it's months before the wedding and they call it off or weeks before or five minutes before. I worked a wedding a couple years ago in Staten Island and five minutes before the wedding, the bride grabbed me by the arm, put me in the room and said, Jen, I don't like the groom. I don't want to marry him. And, you know, in a situation like that, my role is not to ever convince you to do anything. My role is to support you sort of in an unbiased, sane way, because I am mentally all there, whereas you and your friends might be mentally in a different place. So in that situation, I made the decision to lock her and the groom in a room for 10 minutes to talk it out. Ultimately, they decided to go through with the wedding, but not actually legally get married. So they never signed the paperwork. And that's sort of how they dealt with that situation. But I really do believe, I don't know if this is proven, but I think there's a phenomenon that like right before you go walk down the aisle, you know in your head if you're making a good decision or a bad decision, you know. Because if you ask a lot of people who get divorced before year one, they'll tell you, I knew at my wedding day this wasn't right. So I think that there's actually something in our brains. It's almost like I call it like the diving board effect. Right before you're about to jump off a diving board, you suddenly have like a realization. And I see that happen so many times. You know, I've heard the same thing of like when someone wants to commit suicide and they're jumping off a bridge right after they jump, that's when they change their mind. Maybe suicide and weddings aren't a good analogy. But But I feel you completely. And I have to say, nobody talks about this, but you are so right. The amount of times like I've had a bride be hysterically crying or show that she doesn't want to do this in some way, whether it's drinking heavily or confessing something to me or uh, something happening where I'm like, wow, you know, you are literally being forced into doing this. It's tough because nobody talks about it and you feel so alone in that moment. And like, I think my purpose is to not make you feel alone and to help you figure out what to do next and support you through that. Unlike a friend or a family member who doesn't want you to be embarrassed. So they're literally going to push you down the aisle. I've seen mothers push hysterical prides down the aisle. And it's like, it, it, it brings tears to my eyes because it's just so painful to watch. It seems so odd when you describe the, you know, the, the two that decided they weren't going to get married, but they went through it was nothing but a performance really just to keep all their family and friends happy for the day. But then they got to, of course, later on tell everyone that, no, we really didn't do it actually. And what was crazy about that wedding is everything that what everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It was an outdoor wedding. It was pouring rain. Their cake fell on the floor. It was like the universe was trying to be like, Hey, this isn't right. And it showed that day. You know, you think about weddings, they're supposed to be a happy day, 
really they're filled with a lot of high emotions and a ton of stress. What, what kind of situations have you seen like that? You know, I would say weddings are absolutely not the best day of your life. I think they're one of the hardest days of your life for many reasons. And, you know, I've seen everything from, you know, grooms not showing up to mothers fighting to mothers walking out of weddings to fights happening to wedding crashers to security coming to fires at weddings. I've been at weddings where like something is on fire and the fire department needs to come. I mean, I've seen it all. And it's like, I just think the wedding industry, you know, makes the wedding appear as if it's like the best day of your life, but it's actually not. And you're putting on this party for everybody else in your life. And most people, I think after the wedding ends, regret a lot. And a lot of what they regret is how much they spent and the decisions that they made and so many things. And like, I, I didn't know any of this before I started this job. I am so honest about this, that I've never liked weddings. I've never dreamt of my dream wedding. I don't like weddings at all. I work this job and it happens to be in a wedding setting, but I'm doing this job because I have such a passion for helping people in difficult situations and weddings are one of them. Any idea what the average wedding costs these days? It's in the twenty thousand to thirty thousand dollar range. You know, I when I before the pandemic, my my husband and I were like planning a wedding in Florida, and I did everything I could to make it inexpensive, including like paper plates kind of thing. It was still going to cost us minimum thirty thousand dollars. You know, like thankfully it got canceled and we never had it. But it is so hard to plan a wedding that is less expensive than that because every vendor upcharges you so much money and it's just crazy. It's not, it's not worth it. In my opinion, it's not worth it. Yeah. I guess it's worth it for some people, but man, I can see just, you know, elope and take that money and put a down payment on a house, you know? Yes. I mean, never, ever, ever, ever go into debt for your wedding because you don't want to start a marriage off with problems, especially financial problems. So don't go into debt for a wedding. Don't use credit cards for a wedding. See what you can pay within cash. And if you can't have your wedding of your dreams now, stay married for 10 years and have it at the 10 year mark, you know? And and I know that's alternative advice, but some of the happiest people I've seen get married are the ones who spent very little on their weddings. Yeah. A notary and a few people on the beach and done. That's exactly what we had to do because of uh, the pandemic. We got married outside a coffee shop on the sidewalk of New York City, and we saved $30,000. And let me tell you, I do not regret that at all. You know, when you do this, you're working essentially with strangers. Have you ever had a case where you where you were concerned about your own safety? Absolutely. And I do find that that is one of the mistakes of the business that I'm not proud of. And I wish I spent more time figuring out. But when I started the business, identifying people was really tough because yeah, you have social media, but that was it. And I had a couple of people early on who refused to like do Zoom calls with me or video calls with me or phone calls even. It was just through email and it seemed very, very you know sketchy. And I went through with the weddings anyway. And luckily I was okay, but it was not a smart decision. And when I started having employees go to weddings for me, I had to really like work hard to verify identities because I don't want to put them in questionable situations. But yeah, I had one situation, especially um, early on where I was meeting two grooms from Australia who wanted to get married in Times Square. They refused to FaceTime me. They refused to give me social media. They refused to give me last names. It was like every red flag you can think of. But because I was so new and desperate for money, I did it. And I remember meeting them in Times Square, just like standing by the like by like a couple policemen, just thinking like, I don't know who's about to get out of the subway, and if it goes awry, I'm just going to go toward the police. But you know, it's it's not something I'm proud of that I've been in these situations. 
when you do this, I mean, you're spending a weekend with someone, but you are just like thrust into their lives and deeply involved. And then you're gone. Is it, do you find it hard to just leave like that? Yes, it is. One of the toughest part of the job is when it's over because you leave and sometimes you leave really sad because you miss the people, but sometimes you leave with the aftermath of a really tough wedding where you are left with such extreme emotions and you go home and you can't really unpack them because nobody's understood what you've just gone through and it doesn't make sense. And I find that like early on in my career when I was working, you know, two weddings a weekend, every weekend, I was burned out. I lost relationships. I lost a part of myself because I was carrying so much of an emotional burden of other people. You know, I'm a very empathetic person and I often take on the emotions of others and that really takes an effect on my mental state, my physical state, everything. You know, like you leave weddings and you're physically exhausted, but you're also just like mentally exhausted. And some of the emotions just haunt you for a while. You know, people think this job is so fun and there's fun parts to it, but there's also parts where you see like the dark side of humans. And that's not something I really had a big interaction with before this. How did you fix the burnout issue? Is that when you started hiring people and not doing it all yourself? I had to learn how to raise my prices to work less weddings and make more money and then also also hire people and also create other services with my business that was really helpful in the pandemic and pre-pandemic when weddings sort of paused. But yeah, I had to bring on other people to start working them for me and realize like I can't go to two weddings every weekend because it's not sustainable and I'm not happy doing it. What other services? One of our most popular packages that I love is Maid of Honor speech writing because I get to use my poetry <laughs> degree. And I write, I probably write like eight to 10 Maid of Honor speeches a month for people. And I love doing that. Oh, so these are not even weddings you're going to. You're just writing the speech. Okay. I'm just writing a speech for people. And I love that. Um, I also offer maid of honor coaching. So if you are a maid of honor, I can help you with your role. So I don't have to go to the wedding. I offer like wedding coaching where again, it's virtual. So there's all different types of services like that. And I'm continuing to add more so that I have to go less and less. And also just giving people other options who don't want to hire a bridesmaid. You know, weddings are such a big thing culturally you must see a lot of different types and styles of weddings based on where that person is from. Was that a big education process to get used to that? It absolutely was. You know, most of my friends' weddings were either, you know, non-denominational or I, I'm, I'm from a Jewish background, so I went to a ton of Jewish weddings. And then I started working these weddings and I saw all different kinds of things. Like I remember my first Catholic wedding and the ceremony took like an hour plus. And I was like, this is so interesting learning all of these different cultural traditions and religious traditions. And, you know, it's really cool to see these things. And, you know, aside from that, one of the reasons I think I keep doing this job is there's something so fascinating about meeting people and having a connection with them through this work that I never, ever, ever would in my entire life. You know, I think about Ashley from Minnesota. There is not a chance that we would have really probably met in this world, let alone the fact that like, would we have given each other a chance to get to know one another? And the fact that, you know, through this job, I get to meet people who I wouldn't normally meet and build a connection with them. It just makes my life, I feel like, a lot more stronger than any other job would. Yeah, so you've got quite a network of friends, I guess, all over the country. Yeah, and the problem is some of them don't ever want to see you again, right? Because they like hired you and then they're like, okay, the job's done, goodbye. I don't want anyone to know 
who you really are. And then there's some that of course want to stay friends with you, but you're like, I, I can't ever see you again after what, what just happened at this wedding. And then there's some that, you know, you do, I, I don't stay friends with many. Of course I stay, you know, loosely acquainted to some of them, but in terms of like real genuine friendships, it's, it's, it's few and far between. Do some of your clients want to hire the whole group of bridesmaids? Oh, yeah. Some of them are like, Jen, I need you plus three or five or 10 people. So that happens sometimes as well. And then sometimes, you know, they already have existing bridesmaids. So what would that, I mean, that's got to be an astronomical cost. Yeah, because they're paying for me and then they're also paying per person as well. And, you know, that's just something that they want to have and they want to do. But yeah, of course, it gets expensive. And then it's also about picking the people and hiring for this job is a nightmare. I'm sure hiring for every job is a nightmare, but this one's hard because it's not about your experience. It's about your personality and how well you do in like extreme challenges. So hiring for this job has been challenging. A lot of people work one or two weddings and then never want to do it again. So there's a high turnover rate or there's a rate of like, you're not the right person for this. So it's been a challenge to hire. I started off hiring friends and that yeah, you know, it doesn't always go so well, but right, it's tough when you have to fire a friend. That doesn't work too well. Or they just don't want to be your friend anymore because of what you put them through. <laughs> How do you even interview for that? I mean, it's based on personality. Is there some kind of personality quiz, or how do you do that? A lot of what I like to get to know is them. So, you know, just a couple of conversations as normal people, not even asking about the job and then sometimes meeting them in person or bringing them to social situations to see how they would adapt or how they would deal with it or, you know, putting them in just like, you know, verbal situations where I'm like, okay, here's a real situation at a wedding. How would you handle it? And seeing how they would handle it that way. But it it is really hard. I don't care if you've never been to a wedding before. I don't care if you've been a bridesmaid 30 times. It's not going to make you good at this job. The best people I think for this role are people who have like a customer service background or a sales background, not even like an acting background, but just really know how to deal with like challenging conversations and situations. Mm -hmm. And being able to adapt to a lot of different environments. Adapt, relate, and also, you know, silence some of your needs. You know, it's a tough job physically. I don't think people realize that, but you know, it's a tough job on your body to be running around standing in heels and, and all of these things. And sometimes it's exhausting. It's very, very exhausting. This seems like something that would work for men and groomsmen as well. Do people inquire about that? Or do you have, yeah. are there other companies that do that? You know, when I first started, I was like, why not just expand to the groomsman side? But I never did because I don't think it was my specialty. And I don't know that I would necessarily want to go into that world. I don't know if other people have tried. I don't really think so. But I do think there is a need for it. I do think the need might be a little bit different just because the decisions and the process of what men go through in terms of the wedding situation are a little bit different. But I do think it could be a great business model for groomsmen. Yeah. You're getting hired to go to the bachelor party and get drunk. And <laughs> I know. And that's going to take a certain kind of person. And I'm like, that's like, so not me. So I'm like, you know what? Let somebody else like run that show. <laughs> Obviously, you've done so many weddings. You've seen a lot. What was one time that completely caught you by surprise? You know, I worked a wedding um, actually in Las Vegas for 
two women from Chicago who were engaged and they had told me, you know, we're flying down 30 of our closest friends and family to Vegas for a bachelorette party. And at the end of it, we're going to surprise them and it's going to be the real wedding. And that was so cool to be there for and to witness because their friends had thought they were just coming for a bachelorette party. And on the very last day, they got married. And that was really cool to see. Um, and I, I still talk to them. I still keep in touch with them. And that was one of like the cool surprises where, you know, everything mostly was pretty positive in that wedding. And it was really fun to be there. You know, this is the kind of thing that someone might come up with the idea and think, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. But then they never really take any action and try it. But you, on the other hand, thought of this and just ran with it. Why do you think that is? What makes you different in taking action like that? You're so right. Like even till this day, people are like, oh my God, I thought of that. I just never did it. And that happens with everything, right? I mean, people who watch the show Shark Tank, you're like, I thought of that invention. You know, why didn't I do it? I am the kind of person, I don't know why. I don't really know why. I guess I need more therapy, but like I live with this bizarre sense of urgency that like I, my life is not going to be long. So I need to do everything now. So when I have an idea, I act. I don't overthink it. I don't ask people what they think. I literally just do. For good or for bad, I live my life at a speed of like 150 miles an hour, which gets me in trouble because I rush through everything. But I'm not the kind of person who sits and thinks. I just do. And when I got this idea, I didn't think, oh, maybe I should think it through. I just put it out there. And I guarantee you, if I asked my mom or I asked friends and family if I should do this, they would talk me out of it because how weird, how dangerous, how scary. So you know what? I think in life, sometimes we have to trust ourselves and just try things and not wait because the longer you wait, the less you're ever going to do it and the harder it's going to be to do it. Eventually, you'll probably kind of age out of this business, I would think. I mean, you can't really realistically say you were best friends with the bride when you're 20 years older than she is. What's your long-term plan? this. It's funny you say that because I have worked some weddings where the bridesmaids are like 70 or 80 and the bride's like 25 and you know, no one really questions it. I mean, you're like, that's cool. They've got friends. So I'm hoping that's my plan. But I think realistically, eventually it's going to be too tough on my body and my mind and my lifestyle to continue. So you know, for right now, I don't ever see an end phase, but I do see expanding the business to offer more services that don't include, you know, going to weddings and being in person and more products and things like that. And that's sort of my hope. But eventually, I said this from day one, I want to normalize hiring bridesmaids. I want that to be a thing. I want people to say, yeah, I'm hiring a wedding planner and a bridesmaid, and I'm not going to stop until that happens. You mentioned the the pandemic before, and we're kind of coming out of that now. So I assume your business is picking up again. When everything was locked down, did you just not do anything or were there weddings on Zoom or how did you continue then? It was so interesting because I was going through it myself. I was engaged. I had a wedding plan in Florida and we sent out the save the dates March 3rd and then we had to quickly send out cancellation. So I was going through it. So I did work a lot of virtual weddings. I also did a lot of like wedding coaching with people who were like, what the heck should we do? So I did a lot of that. Um, But for the most part, a lot of the work was canceled or paused. So many weddings were pushed till now, till next year, till 2024. So there was a time when I was like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen to my business? And that was tough. And that's when I sort of had to innovate and also, you know, think of new products and services as well. But yeah, a lot of virtual weddings during that time. So you must have, with all of those that were rescheduled, you must now have just a pile of weddings and there must, are there conflicts in dates where people want you to be in two places at the same time? 
Yeah, a lot of that happens, but also a lot of people who had planned, like just like me, had planned these big weddings were like, you know what, we're canceling it, keep the deposit, and we're eloping. So a lot of people also just did that. So while we do have a big, you know, catch up of people re getting married now, a lot of people are also just having parties and not official weddings. So yeah, we do have a lot, but a lot of people also were like, nope, we're just going to elope and call it a day. You have a podcast. Yes. And it's titled, You're Not Getting Any Younger. And you've called it a show for people who want to disrupt their lives for a good reason. What does that mean? And what's your podcast about? (laughs) You know, I think that a lot of people live lives where they feel stuck or they can't seem to figure out, you know, how to live more of their purpose. And I've always been a person who disrupted my life. I've never followed a normal path. I've always sort of done things like in a weird way. And I wanted to sort of normalize the fact that if you're not happy with where you are in life, there are ways you can make changes and that might be disrupting it in some ways. So when I started the podcast four years ago, I started it because I was also in a place in my life where I was feeling down and lost. And I just kept saying to myself, like, you got to find a way to get out of this because you're not getting any younger and you know, you got to just keep going. So, you know, the podcast is a lot of tips and advice and guests who help people figure out careers and relationships and health and, and things like that. And I think it plays into my overall purpose as a human being, which is to help people feel less alone with what they're going through and to also always give them hope that there is a way to change if they're not happy with their life. Sure. And I'm sure some people on, that are listening now are going to want to go hear that. We'll have links to that. But I'll tell you, when it comes to putting out content and taking action, you do it. You've got the podcast. You've written three books related to weddings and marriage. You've got a weekly email. It's called The Monday Pick-Me-Up. Uh, there's a newsletter called Odd Jobs. I loved. I I went through and looked at that stuff. That's all about unusual career opportunities or possibilities. Uh, there's a game you've created, the Newlywed Card Game, and you're a professional speaker. You do one-on-one personal coaching. You're, you're just a ball of energy and inspiration. How do you keep up with all that? It's really hard. And some days I don't. I don't know what to do next, and I feel all over the place. And I want to you know, quit one thing or, or this thing, but I'm not a quitter. I, I always try to see things through and that is definitely exhausting, but I try to put things out there, a lot of free things out there so that I can really try to help people. You know, the newsletters are always free and things like that, but I am the kind of person that needs to be busy to function. I function in chaos. You know, some people function in chaos and this is a thing I'm learning about like myself is that I function in when I have chaos, which is why I work well in wedding situations. And I think I create chaos in my own life by doing too much. Well, it's, uh, it's it seems to be working <laughs> so far anyway. Yeah. So tell people about your website and your book. How can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. You can find more about Bridesmaid for Hire at bridesmaidforhire.com. And then I wrote a book about all of the wedding stories and also how I started the business. It's called Always a Bridesmaid for Hire, and you can find it on Amazon. One final question. What's your advice for someone who's just starting to plan their wedding? Number one, set a budget and stick to it. Don't go a penny over. And number two, make a list of the things that you absolutely must have, two or three things that you and your partner must have. And then anything else, try to find ways to get discounts or cut back on. Let me tell you, nobody remembers anything from your wedding except for the food, the open bar, and the music. So don't waste your money on flowers and tablecloths and even your dress because not a lot of people are going to remember it. So do what's worth it and save your money. You'll need it when you get married. That sounds like good advice. All right. Well, Jen, thanks for coming on here. Thanks for sharing your story. Really interesting. Thank you for having me. 
you could probably tell by our conversation, Jen was a blast to talk to. Before I heard about her, I had no idea that there was such a thing as a bridesmaid for hire. It seems like she has single-handedly invented the industry. You can get all of the links to her books and her social media in the show notes at whatwasthatlike.com slash 110. If you like this episode, you might enjoy a couple of other ones where I talk to people about their unusual jobs. One was with Spence, who's a modern-day lighthouse keeper. The thing I remember about that one that kind of stuck out to me is that Spence spends most of his time alone on this island where the lighthouse is, but he's married. It's an interesting arrangement. And the other one was with Dan. If you've been convicted of some kind of white-collar crime, like embezzling or tax fraud, and you're about to go to prison for the first time, and you're scared because you have no idea what to expect, Dan is the guy to hire. Here's a short clip from our conversation. You know, most of the people that we deal with are definitely like-minded individuals. They're first-time nonviolent offenders. If, if, if you're a repeat offender and you're in and out of the prison system, you're not looking up RDAP Dan on YouTube. You already know what time it is and what to expect. The people that are coming to me are lost souls. They are contemplating suicide, just as I did. The thought of suicide crossed my mind several times. So glad I didn't. I'd be I'd be really upset at myself if I killed myself. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're listening to this and you're and you're facing a federal prison sentence for some kind of a nonviolent crime, don't kill yourself because you'll be really angry. So that's from episode 51 titled Dan Prepares People for Prison. If you haven't heard it yet, go check it out. And I'm always looking for stories about other really unusual jobs. One in particular I'm still looking for is someone who works in the prison system and is in charge of executions. If that's you or someone you know, I'd love to hear from you. And just before we get to this week's listener story, I want to invite you to join our private Facebook group. We're having new members join every day, and sometime in the near future, we're going to have over 3,000 people in there. It's a great place to chat with other listeners about a particular episode, but we talk about lots of other things too. One big rule... No political discussions, which is why we all stay friends. You can join us at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. And now we're at this week's listener story. This is what we do at the end of each episode. We play a story that comes from a listener, usually like three to five minutes. And the story can be about just about anything, as long as it's interesting. If you have one, call it into the podcast voicemail line, 727-386-9468. Or you can just record it on your phone and email it to me. Our listener story this week is in keeping with the theme of this episode, weddings. The storyteller had a few things go wrong leading up to the wedding and at the wedding itself. Oh, and the storyteller is me. Stay safe, and I'll see you in two weeks. Hey, this is Scott. Since we're talking about weddings today... I figured I'd tell you about when my wife, Jeannie, and I got married, and what went wrong. Actually, it started before the wedding. At some point, Jeannie happened to look at her engagement ring, and she was quite surprised to see that the stone was gone. It just wasn't there. Turns out this was due to it being improperly mounted, so we took it back to the jeweler and explained what happened. They put another stone in. But of course, now she's kind of paranoid, always looking at it, wondering if this one's going to fall out too. 
So we get to the day of the wedding. The actual ceremony was scheduled for the afternoon. Jeannie had made prior arrangements with a local beautician to have her hair done that morning. It was all set up. The hairstyle she wanted, the appointment time, all of that was arranged in advance. So she goes to the salon that morning, and the stylist is not there. The manager calls her, and the girl's response was, Why would I be there today? It's my day off. So Jeannie's kind of upset, and she tells the manager, It has to be today because of the wedding. And the manager's like, Oh, you're in the wedding party? And Jeannie says, I'm the bride. Fortunately, one of the other stylists there stepped up and did a great job, but it was kind of a stressful start to the wedding day. For the men in the wedding, which was my dad, my two younger brothers, and my best friend Tim, we spent the morning getting fitted because the tuxes were all late and arriving. So we had to go and try them on and have some alterations because there were some things that just didn't fit right. The worst of that was the tux for my youngest brother, Sean, who was about 13 at the time. He ended up with a shirt that had sleeves that were way too long. But, of course, no time to order another shirt. So the fix was the shirt sleeves were actually just sewn to the jacket sleeves with just a little bit of shirt sleeve showing. So it kind of looked normal. The downside is he couldn't ever take off the jacket, which itself was too small. That comes into play a little later. My wife's family is from Maine, and we're getting married in Florida, so they all flew down, and one of her sisters came in with her husband, and they rented a car while they were here. Well, traffic and driving here in Florida is very different than the country roads of rural Maine. On the way to the church, her sister was driving the rental car and crashed into the back of another car. No one was injured, but the car did sustain some damage. Her sister still visits Florida every year, but has not driven a car here since then. Anyway, we all made it to the church, and the ceremony begins. All of the groomsmen and bridesmaids are at the front, and Jeannie and I are saying our wedding vows. Now, the funny thing to keep in mind is that this was a small country church, and the air conditioning just wasn't powerful enough to keep the room cool. This is Florida in July. It was terribly hot outside and uncomfortably warm inside. So while we're saying our vows, my little brother, the one with the poorly fitting shirt and the jacket that he can't remove, well, he's getting overheated, and he's standing there for an extended period of time with his knees locked, and he passed out just dropped like a rock. The videographer at that moment had his video camera focused on Jeannie and me, so in the video you don't see Sean fall, you just see the expression on our faces when we realize what happened. You do hear the fall, though, because he hit a bench on the way down. He wasn't out for long, and he wasn't injured, just embarrassed. But the ceremony went on, And we got married, and we headed off to Daytona Beach for our honeymoon. And while we were there, the stone actually did fall out of her engagement ring again. And this time, the jeweler wouldn't replace it, because it looks like we're just trying to scam them for more diamonds. In the long run, it all worked out. On July 7, just a few days from now, we'll celebrate 38 years. Uh...